0: We were lucky to arrive when we did.
1: Guess we have our 2 to thank for that.
0: Come here, droid. I can see why your master trusts you, little one.
2: Good job. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Buto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the Clone Army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the Droid Army of the Evil Separatists! So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones. In this episode, following young Boba Fett's attack on the ship, Mace Windu and Anakin Skywalker land on Vangor to search for survivors. But Anakin springs an explosive booby trap, leaving himself and Mace pinned under piles of wreckage. So our two must ride for help before Mace and Anakin run out of time.
0: Hey troops, it's your old buddy Bucho on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars. And next to me in the dropship on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars. He's the Anakin to my Rex. It's your trusty pal, Robbie. Hello, everyone. And we're going to talk about the 43rd episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology. It's Season 2, Episode 21, R2, Come Home. So, Robbie, how about we roll out with you letting us know what you remembered about this episode before you rewatched it again this week?
1: Yeah, uh, I remember this one being a lot of fun because it's very R2 centric. And anytime you can have a different sort of episode, they can be like a complete distraction from the regular. I guess, the flow of the series, but sometimes they can be really fun. And this one fits in with this ongoing arc, this Boba Fett arc that we've got, but it's R2-centric, so it's it's just a lot of fun. And I remember that when we started out, it's like, oh, yeah, 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 I really like this one. There's a lot of good stuff in here.
0: Yeah, we get more confirmation in this episode that r 2 as I call him, is the bravest droid in the entire galaxy, because when R8 gets taken by the Gundarks, and I have this note here about R8 that, the only note that I have about R8 is that he's a redshirt droid. And uh, I think you know what that means, Robbie. But for any younger listeners who don't know what a redshirt is, that's a term from Star Trek. And it means when you meet someone at the start of the episode you haven't met before, and you have a feeling they're not going to be around by the end of the episode. But when R8 gets taken by those Gundarks, R2 flips out his poker, Robbie. And he charges full speed at one of the gun darks, And he really gives that gun dark a weapons-grade poke in the butt But unfortunately, R2 also finds out that a Gundark's gluteus maximus is not one of its weak points, Robbie. It's not a thermal exhaust point on a Gundark. And our favorite astromech droid gets backhanded real hard across the deck. And even more unfortunately, a few moments later, R2's pal R8's head is no longer in the vicinity of his body and instead is in the vicinity of R2, Robbie, How did you like this fight between R2 and the Gundarks?
1: Yeah, this is a lot of fun. And... It's weird because there are scenes even in Star Wars that are almost cartoonish. You know, Just I'm talking about in the movies that are slightly cartoonish. This one goes uh, a little, (laughs) I mean, in my opinion, a little overboard with the whole, you know. The suction cup thing? Yeah, well. Don't don't tell me you don't like the suction cup thing because that's one of my favorite things of the
0: whole show
1: so far. Uh, I like the suction cup. Trick. Ordeal, whatever you want to call it. It's a good trick. Yeah, it is. Uh, no, I was talking about the poking in the in the butt there. All right. That was a little that was a little cartoony, but uh, no, I really really enjoyed it. And one of the things that that I really like about the way you know it's like attention to detail, right? All of the astromech droids have slightly different speech patterns. They sound different. Yeah, like R two sounds completely unique. You know, in comparison to all the other droids that we meet. But uh, but yeah yeah, definitely a, a red shirt. Unfortunately for poor R eight.
0: Poor old R8. But fortunately, R2 comes off much better against the Gundarks. And this little moment that we just mentioned about R2 shooting a suction cup at the head of the Gundark, who's trying to have him for dinner. And then he attaches the suction cup at the other end of the cable to Anakin's fighter. And then he launches the fighter and he leaps to safety and... I don't know what they make suction cups out of in that galaxy far, far away, Robbie. I don't know what their material science is like, but, I mean, they can build hyperdrive, so I guess they can also build really, really good suction cups, Robbie. Those things perform out in the field.
1: Yeah, they're definitely not like a Nerf gun, for sure. I mean, these are definitely a <laughs> bit stronger than, uh, than your typical earthbound, uh, you know, suction cups.
0: And speaking of R2 and Starfighters, Robbie, it turns out that R2 is also a pretty dang good pilot. And here, we can think back to Lear of Grievous, or at least I thought back to Lear of Grievous, when Kit Fisto's astromech droid R6 is flying Kit Fisto's Delta-7 Starfighter all by himself, while Kit Fisto throws down with General Grievous. And on that occasion, R6 had to deal with a magna droid clinging to his wing. And do you remember what R6 did to throw that magna droid off that wing, Robbie?
1: Oh yeah, he's... He spun him off, right? He
0: spins. Because we, as we all know, Robbie, spinning is a good trick. And what does Artu 2 do And r come home when he has that slave one on his tail pouring streams of cannon fire in his direction? A
1: little spinning? Is that what you're he getting spins. at? He
0: spins. <laughs> That's right. Artu 2 spins, Robbie. Artu 2 knows all the good tricks. And we also get, of course, uh, the oil slick. I mean, this is an R2 up to his home alone antics. One of the notes that I made here was like R2 was in home alone as he tries to stymie the attempts of the bounty hunters to find Mace and Anakin. Or at least to find Mace. Maybe they don't even know Anakin's there at that point. But there's a scene where he shuts the door on the bounty hunters. And after hearing Orasingh's frustrated yell, R2 actually seems to turn toward the camera (laughs) and and gives us a set of bleeps which sound almost exactly like tittering laughter like he's giving off a little
1: hee or even
0: like a <laughs> it's like i take the camera you know i mean did that play like that to you as well
1: oh yeah and well i mean there's a lot of points in the movies too where r2 you know quote unquote says something and right. c-3po is you know like watch your language or you yeah. know all that kind of stuff yeah if that's true, R2 is cursing all the way through this this episode, <laughs> and it's really funny because he's like uh, the one where the sheet of metal that he kind of throws down that the hallway toward the bounty hunters, and yeah. when it misses, you hear him get like, like you know, <laughs> it's just funny. There's really, really, really good, I guess, R2 language all the way through it. I mean, I've always been a, a fan of R2, but as I said, Clone Wars made me realize how much I love R two and and to see him up to his uh his droid hijinks in this in this one it's just it's just so much fun.
0: Yeah, and he's he's kind of ruthless in this episode too. He's he's almost straight up murderous because I mean these things that he's doing to these bounty hunters they could and probably should have killed them at least a few times. I mean he he literally throws a grenade down there so. <laughs> yeah. I guess, I mean, because we don't know 100% what he's up to, maybe he's trying to scare them off. Maybe he's actually trying to kill them. You know, maybe he set that grenade to go off above them and not actually to hit them. But it's, uh, yeah, you don't want to mess with R2 in this episode. Not only has he saved the galaxy multiple times in multiple episodes and multiple movies, you know, because think how many times our heroes have been in a sticky situation. And it's only because of something that R2 does that actually gets them out of it. I mean, this is, he's not just comic relief and lovable. He's vital. He's always a vital part of the team.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's so much fun, too, because he's... You know, I love his little whistling as he's pulling the boxes along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just... I, I love all that stuff. I mean, it's it's just so much fun. And, yeah, I don't think he was ever intentionally trying to kill them. I think he was just trying to, you know, make them think, okay, well, maybe it's not worth going up here. Maybe it's just trying to, like you said, just scare them off just enough to where they, they leave them alone
0: well someone who doesn't love Artu as much as we do Robbie as much as they should is Mace Windu and after Anakin and Artu have a wee chat about how they both have a bad feeling about this just after they land on Vankor, Mace Windu notes that Artu seems to be programmed with feelings and that Anakin encourages it too much is what Mace says and Artu's response in that moment is speaking of Artu's voice is kind of an indignant, kind of like a Well, I never, kind of a hump of a bleep, but it's so good. And the main thing to take out of this whole scene is something that we have kind of touched on a little bit in the past, but Mace can be really kind of a bummer a lot of the time, right?
1: Yeah, he's. it's sort of understandable from the normal point of view of the way that people view droids in the Star Wars universe. I mean typically what happens is you know once every couple of weeks once every couple of months whatever it is they wipe them right so they don't form a personality r2's never been wiped so he continues to learn continues to grow and yeah i mean mace just doesn't understand it but but you're absolutely right windu a lot of times is playing you know the the quote-unquote you know the the straight character you know the character that yeah that's just i don't know i
0: He's like the school headmaster, right? Yeah. In a way, like, he's the serious school headmaster.
1: Yeah, like, when when Mace Windu talks, it's like, okay, somebody's in trouble, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's nice to see him uh, come around, and it, it's always a big moment when that happens, too. You know, when he cracked a joke, you know, in a previous episode, and you're just kind of like, okay, okay, well, man, there's a little humanity here.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, you, did, you know you did right. I mean, in Lightsaber Lost, we learned that the Jedi sometimes act as police, and what we get in this episode, right up until about thirty seconds before the end, is that when Mace Windu is around, he's the fun police, Robbie.
1: Yeah, <laughs> do you get yeah, that? Exactly.
0: Do you guys see what I did? There? Oh yeah, no, <laughs> like, that was perfect. <laughs> like Mace Windu makes Cham Syndulla seem as loosey goosey as Jaja. That's how uptight he always seems. And even as Mace lies there under a pile of wreckage, he expresses doubt that R2 will come through for them in the end. And it's almost as if Mace doesn't even know that rebellions are built on hope, Robbie. He seems hopeless. But yeah, it's really sweet at the end when he has that moment, and all he says is good job and of course anakin has that comment wait i never get that much praise and this actually reminded me a little bit of when anakin told kiddie mundi that kiddie mundi had his everlasting respect and obi-wan said that was about as much respect as you would ever get from anakin and this is a slightly different thing because mace is so much more serious but it just reminded me of that little thing where you know just a little praise from mace actually goes a long way and that can i guess if you look at it from a certain point of view robbie maybe that makes it worthwhile that he's so stern almost all of the time that when he does lighten up just a little bit it kind of shines that much brighter
1: yeah and what's interesting is they point out that uh and i'm talking about the the filmmakers dave filoni he's talking about how this episode is sort of like um as you said it's almost a mixture of home alone but it's also kind of goes into the lassie come home yeah right you know where timmy's stuck in a well and lassie's got to go get help right that's kind of what that was and it's funny because I didn't actually make that connection until I watched uh, that little featurette on it but he was also saying that it means a lot to R2 that Mace Windu says good job even though it's a very very simple little saying for him I mean for, for R2 that means a lot so it was actually it was kind of a cool especially from you know as an R2 fan it's nice to see that kind of recognition for you know my favorite droid
0: Yeah, it was a nice payoff for R2. And of course, to get the mission done, he has to hair into the Jedi Temple. And how did you like it when R2 was really booking it along that quite wide corridor? And there are two astromechs just kind of ambling along in the middle of the corridor with about a meter on one side and a couple of meters on the other. So there's (laughs) definitely a couple of passing lanes there on either side of those two astromechs. But R2 just bowls straight into them. And then when he gets into the, what is that, the situation room, the briefing room, the planning room, whatever, he bowls bowls straight into another. Astro <laughs> mech, and they start having a little scrap, and there's Ahsoka, who uh, actually we haven't seen for what feels like i don't know a dozen episodes it seems like forever since we saw ahsoka and it turns out ahsoka's at the jedi temple in a battle planning meeting alongside her old buddy plo Koon and a few other jedis so i guess there's two things here am i to understand that these padawans will sometimes spend time assigned to other jedi masters and also how do you like r2 bowling into other astromechs and getting into little scraps with them as well
1: well the yeah the 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 hallway scene is kind of You know, I I was thinking the same thing. I was like, you could just go around them, you know, (laughs) you probably would save a little bit of time just going around them versus trying to go through them. And then him kind of bounding down the stairs and falling down the stairs. No spoilers or anything, but that's my favorite shot of the episode. (laughs) I mean, of course, there's other cool shots in the episode, too, but I just love that. It's just so funny. But it's also he's he's in a hurry. And I just, yeah, I don't know. I just love it. And uh, it's interesting what you say though about how much time Ahsoka spends with Plo Koon. I mean, it kind of makes you wonder if if there are certain missions that Anakin goes on where Ahsoka would either be in the way or it's just too much, Ahsoka might be needed sure. elsewhere, and then so they put her with Plo Koon or whatever. And I mean, it's probably from a if you think from a teaching point of view, you would definitely want every Jedi to be trained under different you know, masters, even if for a short time, yeah. just to get different points of view. I mean, I think that would be a, a wise thing for the Jedi to do. And I mean, that's just what I think they're doing.
0: Yeah, that's one of the cool things about the show is about how Ahsoka ends up spending time with all these other Jedi Masters are going back at least as far as Luminara, right? And uh, Cloak of Darkness. Yep. And of course, Terra Sanube and Lightsaber Lost. It's just neat to see these different pairing ups. And also we can come back to Mace a little bit here, maybe. And as much as I talk about how Mace is kind of a bummer to be around, it is fun to see Anakin be around him because there's that tension between these two Jedis who are almost the opposite in personality. You know, Mace is so serious and by the book and Anakin is the opposite. So, I'm just repeating things that I've already said, <laughs> but we still haven't talked about these bounty hunters. Aura Singh is back, of course, and Aura Singh has an aerial which pops up out of her head, Robbie. It just pops up out of her head as if she's some kind of robot or even an android. And I don't, I mean, I kind of almost don't want you to comment on this because maybe there's a reveal in a future episode, but that was uh, an eye opening bit of the episode
1: well it's funny that you say that because even in you know when she was sort of like i said she's a blink and you miss it sort of cameo in the phantom menace but they made a big deal out of her design and everything in the you know in pre-production you know it was like uh when they would release little snippets or whatever they highlighted ara singh and everybody was thinking oh she's gonna be this new huge character in the movie and she's She's on the right side of the frame as the pods go by. And then that's the only time you see her in the movie. And it's just kind of <laughs> yeah. funny. It's kind of a testament to what Lucasfilm does. I mean, it's almost like they say, hey, we need a character for whatever. And somebody gets the go ahead on the design. And then that person goes all in. All these different design elements that they go into to making a character. And they come up with backstories. They come up with all this stuff for a character that's barely ever in it. So to see her in this is is really kind of neat because you get to see what is she like, you know, what what is her character like. But yeah, that was part of her design from the beginning was that antenna and it's, and uh, to my knowledge all it is is just basically like a communicator and I think one of the things that we've seen all the way through Star Wars is these kind of I don't know, I guess you'd call them is cybernetic enhancements is that something that sure. you know almost like cyborg type yep. situations where people get implants
0: where they become more machine than man
1: yeah exactly yeah and it's it's really it i mean it's just a another example of this uh, technology being used you know it's just a far as i know it's just an implant for communication
0: and, of course, we also meet Bosk, although when I say meet Bosk, he was in the last episode. I don't think he even spoke in the last episode, did he? And I wasn't sure it was Bosk until this episode, and he's there. And at first, he's the strong, silent type. But then later, we do hear him become more conversational. And it turns out that that mean-looking Trandoshan speaks like a snake, Robbie, which is quite distinct from his fellow Trandoshan, Ganacht spoke, I think. I don't remember Ganacht having that same snake-like... Hissing sort of sound when he spoke, and he's also a transocean, of course.
1: Yeah, it's weird that you say that because I mean, the, the only time that we've ever heard Bosk is very briefly in Empire Strikes Back, right? When Piet goes up and almost hits his toe or something, you know yeah. I mean? And he looks up and and Bosk kind of snarls at him. Yep. I mean, I think it's, you know, for boss, it's I think it's just a, I mean, I'm sure there's probably some comic that deals with his speech impediment or something, but.
0: Maybe that's why, he, maybe he got teased about it, and that's why he became so mean. I guess. Although Ganect was pretty mean as well, so for all we know, all Trandoshans are pretty mean. I mean, they're basically alligators, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I and I really like the way they do it with boss because it makes them more menacing. I mean, I think that's the yeah. that's the whole point, but. Because for a second there, I was kind of taken aback by what you said because I wasn't even sure if Enact was a Trandoshan. But
0: hey, my sources report that he was, but um, you know, <laughs> my sources might not be one hundred percent correct. I don't know. I think it's no, Wikipedia. You know, you're just right. to be clear, my you're probably source... right.
1: <laughs> no, you, you've you know you, you've definitely proven yourself as uh as being uh, well read on these things.
0: yeah i know how to look up wikipedia <laughs> that's one of my few skills in life Robbie. and wikipedia also told me that this guy castus this massive brute he is a clatoenian a clatoenian and i think we've met someone from clatu before clatu what's that thing clatu something benicto b- 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 what is that movie clatu clatu
1: barato right <laughs> that's from uh the day the Earth stood still. That's right. right. That's something it? like that, right? Yeah, that same race of alien is—it's uh, one of the aliens that's in uh, Jabba's palace, and I think on the skiff. Okay. You know, during that uh, their little skirmish above the Sarlacc, there. But yeah, he's definitely uh, in rough shape. This guy—he's yeah. been through the ringer.
0: Yeah, he's one-eyed, and he's also a huge whiner, Robbie. And at one point, he says they should get out of the wreck of the Endurance. This is just after the grenade trick from R2, actually. And he calls it a death trap, which of course was the name of the previous episode, which (laughs) I don't know if there was anything intentional about that, because no one actually says R2 come home in this episode, but someone says death trap. So why wasn't this episode called death trap, Robbie? Especially since this ship is more of a death trap. This crashed Endurance Star Destroyer.
1: Well, I definitely think "R two Come Home" is a more apt name for this episode, but no, it's. I thought that was kind of funny too. And I was like, "Wait a minute, isn't this? this Isn't the last one was called Death Trap, right?" I mean, it it, it took me by surprise as well. But yeah, I mean, Castus uh, is such a uh, he's such a whiner. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like you know you might hope for him to be dispatched soon. <laughs>
0: Well, we got a little bit of an insight earlier into what we're going to find as your favorite shot of the episode. So we can talk a little bit here about the cinematography. And just from a lighting standpoint, this episode does a really nice job of making the wreck of the Endurance feel really foreboding. And that's helped by the sound design too, of course. We hear electrical sparking and creaking in the massive hull. And the music also does a really good job of evoking that spooky foreboding atmosphere. And you know me and my Dutch angles, Robbie? Well, when you're inside a ship, which is listing so hard to one side, like the deck of the Endurances, almost any shot inside that ship looks like a Dutch angle. But my favorite shot of the episode, and I've spent many an hour watching videos of real world fighter jets flying in close formation. I love close formation flying. And I've also spent many another hour watching fast jets fly at low level because There's one thing I love more than close formation flying, Robbie. It's fast jets flying really fast at low level. So that very early shot from inside Anakin's cockpit with Mace's fighter and the lead slot just ahead of him, just as they made that low level pass on the wreck of the endurance, that was my jam, Robbie. But that shot from behind Anakin's ship, just as he climbs out onto the surface with the smoking, burning Endurance, the hulking wreck of the Endurance in the background, and then R2 and Anakin start walking towards it, that was really striking, too. I really like some of the shots we got around the exterior of the Endurance.
1: Oh, yeah. And that's what I was going to say with my shot of the episode, if I didn't actually, you know, ruin it by bringing it up earlier. but uh, Spoiler alert, Robbie! Yeah. Yeah, it, but it's so... It's so beautiful. I mean, the... The way that they frame these shots is just, and again, this is the the end of the second season, right? So they're just getting better and better and better at that, at the way that they can frame things and the way that they can add detail. It's just so gorgeous. And even some of the shots during the chase between R two in Mace's fighter versus Slave One, some of those shots are gorgeous too. I mean, it's just a gorgeous episode. And again, this is just a fun episode. Just all the way around. I just really had a blast with it, but it looks amazing.
0: Yeah, and speaking of having a blast and Slave One, Robbie, last episode we talked about how Slave One has such awesome sounding engines. It's one of those ships that, I mean, pretty much all starships in star wars sound great but slave one has that real distinctive cool sound and in r2 come home we also get to hear slave one's cannons firing and man that's not necessarily a fun time for an r2 fan because they're hot on his tail and they're barely missing and those cannons sound really menacing but still that is a really nice cannon sound on that ship
1: Oh yeah, it's, I mean, as I said before, I mean, Attack of the Clones may not be the best movie, but man, that scene in the in the asteroid field is so amazing and we get to see a little bit of that here too. And it's, you know, for me, very welcome since I'm a big Slave One fan. So yeah, it's just the sound of that ship is just so cool.
0: It sure is, Robbie. now it's time for the part of the episode where we talk about what we learned from R2 Come Home.
1: Well, I think the most important thing is if you're going to go into a ship that's a uh, you know maybe a little wrecked make sure there's no r2 units on board because they make make some trouble for you <laughs> yeah
0: and also if you see a mandalorian helmet just sitting there <laughs> what would you advise me to do with that helmet Robbie? if i were, if you and i were inside anywhere if we were anywhere And we see a Mandalorian helmet just sitting there. Obviously, I'm going to go towards it. What are you going to tell me to do? Probably run very far away from it, right?
1: Yeah, I'm going to say that might be a trap.
0: Yeah, (laughs) don't (laughs) touch. Especially
1: if it's painted like Django's helmet.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, stay away from it. And now we can sum up and give our ratings, Robbie. So what were your overall thoughts? And where does R2 Come Home sit on that four-star Robbie scale?
1: Well, for me, I mean, this is not super important to the big scheme of things but it's so much fun that I just I have to give it a great rating I mean at least for me I mean for an episode like this it's not a huge importance to the rest of the story I'm still giving it a three and a quarter stars because I enjoyed it that much
0: yeah I'm going to keep this wrap up short and sweet Robbie because we've gone pretty long on this one it's almost too much fun this episode to talk about but I love R2 and I love flying scenes and this one had a bunch of both and I have R2 come home at 8 clone trooper grenades drop down a shaft by r2 out of 10 and that is mission accomplished for season 2 episode 21 r2 come home so robbie won't you please let the troops out there know what are our communications channels
1: Sure, we are Bucho and Robbie at Gmail, Twitter, and Instagram. That's B-U-C-H-O-A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y.
0: Yes, sir, and of course the troops can join us again next time for the 44th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars Chronology. It's Season 2, Episode 22, Lethal Trackdown. And until then, this is your old buddy, Bucho, alongside your trusty pal, Robbie, and we are Out.
2: Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing this show on iTunes or any other podcast platform, and Bucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Robbie at gmail.com.
1: May the force be with you.